0: So good to be with you guys tonight and um, be able to minister the Word of God. And I hope you brought Bibles because there's no AV. We've become lazy. So I hope you have your Bibles here, your cell phone, anything. We're going to look into the scriptures tonight. But before we start, I would like to tell you a story. A few years ago, so. Most Christmases, we travel up to Durban to go visit Deborah Ann's parents in uh, Pinetown. So, for Mozart, it's a few kilometers. You know, it's about 1,400 kilometers or so. So, it's anything between 12 and 14 hours travel on the road. And we, we made one of those trips, and in the middle of the night, I woke up with my little nephew, like between myself and Deborah Ann in the bed. And immediately, I was irritated because it was a long day. I just wanted to sleep. And this little kid is sleeping between us, and I'm tired. So, and he's taking over my space. And I grabbed a pillow, and I grabbed a blanket, and I went down to the, to the lounge, and uh, I lay down on the couch, and I couldn't fall asleep again. Because now, God's got my attention. And I'm awake. You know, I do ask the Lord many times, you know, please don't wake me up. You have promised that you will give your beloved sleep. I need a lot of it, you know, please give me sleep. But now I'm awake and he's asking me a few questions and he's challenging me. And the question that he posted to me was this He asked me if I'm really going to sulk about the fact that I just got out of my king size bed. And I was like, okay, I, I, can, I can see where this is going, you know. So he asked me, he says, and you got up from underneath your uh, cotton sheets in a house with your wife and kids and family and all the food that you need. So you guys are starting to get the picture where Jesus is taking me on this one. Then he asked me if the trip we took in our SUV with Eric and power steering was so bad. <laughs> because he can remember a time when he traveled. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he didn't have an SUV, and he didn't have aircon, and he didn't have cotton sheets, and all those kind of things. <laughs> well, as an unborn, he traveled 112 kilometers, journey from Nazareth. Bethlehem, his mom was highly pregnant on the back of some animal, probably a donkey. Then, only uh, to get there and not get the best accommodation they hoped for, and only uh, the bed was a manger. Okay, well, it was also a king size bed, just by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to flee. A king that liked to kill babies. And there is the whole thing about becoming flesh, you know? Like he had to become flesh. He had to become a human being. And that must have been hard. If you were God, think about it. Now all of a sudden you have to come and live with people on planet earth. mortal. Dying. see, man was tainted with sin, and he stayed holy, and he stayed blameless. Although he became flesh, Jesus never stopped being the word. Never. And this brings me to my portion of scripture tonight that I want us to read in John chapter 1. So please turn with me. So you can just imagine as I was laying there, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of my sin. (laughs) And I also felt the love of my father. And I just realized how selfish and conceited we have become. We act like little spoiled brats. And the father so loved this world that he sent his only son. Not a substitute, not a plan B, his son. And here I am lying in my bed, bemoaning my lot. Let's turn to John. John chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 5 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of, the men, of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pop down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh, like I just said, and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So tonight, I would like us to consider... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to consider the who and the why of Christmas. The who and the why of Christmas. Okay. So let's first and foremost, verse 1 and 2, we're going to unpack John quickly. And Let's consider the person. Let's consider the who of this day. Let's consider what he has done for us. Now, the first thing that we see from the scripture in John 1, verse 14 is that he is eternally God. Okay, if you're making notes, this is the first point. He is eternally God. So he's from the beginning. So the Bible says this, in the beginning was the Word. And this phrase does not simply mean or imply that the Word had a beginning. No, 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 no. It means that the Word was, has always existed. He's always been there. I mean, I've been asked so many times by young kids, like, so who created God? No, I, I don't know. He's been there since the beginning. This phrase If you read it, this this word, was, is in the imperfect tense. And it signifies an action of the past that continues into the present. So it was the word. So he began with no beginning and he just continues. I mean, our little brains cannot even fathom that. That God had no beginning and there is no end to him. Because we all work in time, each one of us. We just want to think a birthday. You know, there's on your one day on your grave, there's going to be a birthday. And there's going to be a day that you die with a little dash. That little dash is your life. What are you going to do with it? That little dash. And he was, Bible says. And it signifies an action of the past that continues into the present. You could also read the scripture like this. In the beginning was the word is the word and always will be the word that's what makes him the alpha and the mega that makes him the beginning and the end you see you and i we come from an alpha side from the beginning we walk our little lives but god is already at the end he already sees he says before the foundation of the earth he has created you he had you in mind he says i formed you in your mother's womb before the foundation of the earth i don't know when that was I don't understand any of these things. I try and theologians try and tell you how this works. But before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was slain already. Jesus was the idea. It wasn't a plan B. It was the perfect plan of the Father. That Jesus was going to be born on whatever day you celebrate. Doesn't matter. Jesus was born. He came into this world. So that He can be the Savior of all mankind. So He's eternally God. The Word is eternal. He always has been and always will be. Before there was anything else, there was the Word. Jesus had His birth in Bethlehem, but not His beginning. His birth was there, but His beginning was forever. (laughs) How do you explain it? We want to put things in time. We can't. He's an infinite God. Before there was whatever you want to put in there, there was Jesus. There was not another plan. As John puts it later in his epistle in 1 John chapter 4, 14, he says this, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John chapter 4. The second thing is that we read in the scriptures tonight is that he is equally God. So he's not just eternally God. He is equally God. And the word, that, 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 that if we translate the word word in this verse in the Greek, it means logos. And it refers to speech. It refers to reasoning, explanation, a word about something. That is who Jesus is. He is called the Word because a Word is a visible expression of an invisible thought. This is why He's called the Word, the Logos. Because He's an expression, a visible expression of an invisible thought. Express, Jesus. We had to see Him. They beheld Him. They walked with Him. They talked with Him. That very thing that they lost in the Garden of Eden, Jesus came to actually mend that we can have a living relationship with Him again, that we can walk with Him again. The idea was that we obey Him. The idea was that we follow Him. The idea was that we serve Him, but it was broken because of disobedience. And sin that entered into the world, the Bible says, through one man's offense, through Adam. But Jesus is called the second Adam, and he comes, and he wants to set us free. He wants us to bring us back into that union that he had with Adam and Eve. That union of the cool of the day, walking with them, having a relationship, a living relationship with them. That's his desire. That's why Jesus was born. It's not Boney M's theology. Because of Christmas Day, man shall live forevermore. That's bad theology, people. Very bad theology, that. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not because of a little song that Boney M. sang. Okay. I say this every year because you're all going to hear it, most probably in checkers tomorrow. You're going to go, that's bad theology. Bad theology, (laughs) Boney Jesus is everything God has ever said or will say. He is the expression of the Father. He is equally God. He is everything God is about in human form. Everything. He's not a little, we, we cannot diminish Him. He's not a little bit less than the Father. He is perfectly God perfectly John 14 turn with me quickly to John 14 verse 18 you are in John right now you should be John 14 18 says this you guys with me I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you that's what he says Uh, I think this is the wrong verse John 14 am I in John 14 18 I will not... Yeah, that's it. Uh, No. Uh -uh. I don't know. I don't know how I got this one wrong. Don't worry. Basically, I want to say this, that God declared. God declared something. And if God declared something, it means that He will lead us. But He will also explain... So if God declared something to you and to me, God explained something. He showed. He shows Jesus. He showed everything to us. He makes it very plain to us. Jesus is the explanation of who God is. So if you want to know who the Father is, Jesus is that expression of who the Father is. Jesus says that. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Fourteen? Nine. Fourteen, nine. Okay, thanks, François. Could it be? Said I have been so long. Ah, don't worry, it's somewhere there. I made a mistake with uh, with typing. The third thing that we need to bring is He is essentially God, so He is equally God. He's eternally God, but He's essentially God. The statement that we read in the Scripture and the Word was God is the clearest statement of the deity that we see in the Bible. No one can refute that. No one can say that Jesus, because there's religions that believe Jesus was just a prophet, or Jesus was just a good person, or, or he was human, but he wasn't God. No. Here's the statement. It says, and the Word was God. Jesus was essentially God. It's the clearest statement that we can see. Not only is the word co-eternal and co-equal with God, the word is God. That is why Jesus could say the things that he says in John 14 verse 8. There's that verse. Lord, show us the Father and and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have you been with me so long you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He's my father and I, we are one. And then he could make that statement again by saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a helper, and his name is the Holy Spirit, because we're all one. Somebody asked me the other day, How do I explain the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And I know this is the crudest way of most probably explaining it, but imagine one egg. It's three parts, but it's one egg. You've got the shell, you've got the white, and you've got the yellow. They're all there. It's essentially one egg, but three different parts. An apple, you have a core, you have the the flesh, and you have the skin. Three parts, but it's one apple. Theologians have tried to explain the Trinity. They write books about it. My friends, we believe it by faith. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one. And they're equal with one another. There's no jostling for possession amongst them. I cannot say I and my Father, when my Father was alive, we are one. I can't say that. It's not true. Only Jesus can say that he, and that will be 100% accurate. None of you, if you have a father that's alive, you can't say, I'm, and my father, we're exactly the same. Because we're not. We're not the same. You See, when God sent his son into the world, John 3, 16, he sent one who was eternally, equally, and essentially God. In other words, when the angel said unto you, in Luke chapter 2, Verse 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They were announcing the birth of God in human flesh. You see, all through his life, Jesus proved who he was over and over. Remember, we're considering the who, the who, the person of Christmas The reason why he said things like, peace be still. Jesus said things like, rise up and walk. To Lazarus, come forth. To saying things like, your sins are forgiven. To it is finished. It's only God that can do that. see, the truth of his deity, the truth of his power was constantly on display when he was on the earth. He showed men the way. When men asked, he said, you need to be born again. And they said, how do we do that? He says, you don't understand. You need to be born from above. This is, not, this is not me going back into my mother's womb. You can't do that. But you've got to be born from above. That's what Jesus said. So the next thing that I would like us to, to consider in verse 4 and 5 of John chapter 1. So maybe turn back there, John chapter 1. Let's consider the purpose. Let's consider the why. The why we celebrate Christmas. And I want to ask a question is, why? Why did the Creator desire to become a part of His creation? Have you ever thought of that? Why did God put on human flesh and walk amongst us? Why did He come into this world to live and to die? What is this purpose? Let's have a look. The first thing that we see from the Scriptures is, He came to bring life into death. Jesus came. And Jesus is the reason why we can have life and life forevermore. See, the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 3. In Romans 6, actually. Romans 3 says that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. 3.23. But Romans 6.23 tells us very clearly that there is a wage That sin needs to pay. Each one of us are born into sin. You don't sin because you're a bad person or anything. You're born into sin. You're born bad. You're born a sinner. It's not because of something your mother and your father did. It's because of what Adam and Eve did. But there's a way out. Jesus says that the wages of sin is death. But, but the free gift of God is in eternal life through Christ Jesus. So for each one of us, there's a way out. There's always a way out, my friends. And I want to declare it, that Jesus is the only way out. There is no other way out. And I think we try so hard to find ways to get out of bad situations. We try and cover ourselves with fig leaves. We try and cover ourselves with things that are man-made. And there's only one way. Because Jesus came to take us out of death into life. That's what he came to do. He entered a world filled with dead men. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2. Let's turn there quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. verse 1 to 3, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he's telling them, we once walked like that, but now that you are saved, now that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, not just your Savior, it's easy to accept Jesus as Savior, but we forget that we need to say to him, have everything, have my life, Lord. A Lord will manage everything. He is the master of your life. The Jews are not allowed to say His name. Adonai. It means master. It's the highest form of His name. We need to call Him master. Bible says we are now slaves to righteousness. I know the Bible does say that we are bond servants and we have translated, but that word is delos. And it means we are slaves to him. We belong to him. He bought me. The Bible says he paid a very, very, very dear price. His life. He paid with blood. I'm his. I belong to him. So if I belong to him, I should do what he asked me to do. I should follow him. I should worship him the way that he wants to be worshipped. I should give unto him. We shouldn't be asking for a tenth. We should just give the tenth. We shouldn't be saying, come on, let's worship the king. You should just be worshipping the king. We shouldn't be like, oh, come to church. You're going to enjoy. No, you should just come to church because that is where Jesus wants to be and meet with you. We shouldn't be asking, let's go out and tell people about Jesus. No, Jesus would want us to just tell people about Him. If you have received the greatest gift, the Bible says that it's a free gift. If you have received the greatest gift of all life, life in abundance in Jesus, What not you want to tell everybody? We sing that song, go tell it on the mountain. We sing it. I want to shout it from the rooftops. When was the last time you shouted his name from the rooftops? I've said this many times. A.W. Tozer said this. He says, Christians don't lie. They just come to church and sing it. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the beaches. We'll fight them on the beaches. No, we won't. (laughs) We won't. He came to bring life into death. Jesus came so that dead men could live. That's why Jesus came, so that dead men could live. The Bible says you are dead. You are dead in your trespasses, you're dead in your sin. You fall short of His glory. You cannot have it. You cannot be in his presence. When a dead lost man meets Jesus, he passes from death into life. The Bible tells us, it says like, he says that now you have translated. He uses that word. He says, you're You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His marvelous light. It's like God has pulled out this bad tree with bad fruit on it, with bad habits. Let's sing the song, Bad Habits. Belong to you. That's it. That song, okay, with all that bad stuff. And then we are translated into the kingdom of light, the Bible says. God doesn't do spiritual Botox here. Okay, do you understand that? We, we, want to, like, we want to clean up before we come to Jesus. We think we can be nice and good and dress up nicer and be nicer and maybe laser remove our tattoos before we come to Jesus and do all these things. But that's spiritual Botox. He takes you out. He plants you into good soil. And then when the seasons come, when the nourishment comes through the tree, that old stuff starts falling off. The rotten fruit starts falling off naturally. You you all of a sudden don't want to swear anymore. All of a sudden you don't want to sleep around anymore. All of a sudden you don't want to steal anymore. All of a sudden you don't want to hate anymore. All of a sudden, you like you just want to go hug grannies, and they are nice. <laughs> hug a granny, hug grannies. Ni happy, hug <laughs> happy granny ni. Hug. Have you hugged the granny today? <laughs> All of a sudden, you want to do these things, but you couldn't do it there. You couldn't do it there. You were dead. A dead man cannot do that stuff. And this is what Jesus came to do to make us alive. Alive to him. Ah, oh, Jesus is the strength of earthly life. We are alive today only by his good grace. Let's turn to Job. Job chapter 1 verse 21. Job Job chapter 1, it's just before Psalms, if you were looking for it. Job chapter 1, verse 21 says this. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is the one that makes everything possible. It's not how clever you are it's not how grand you are it's not the pedigree that you're born into it's not the family you're born into it's because of jesus it's because of jesus he makes earthly life possible he's also the secret if you want to know a secret he is the secret to effective life there's not 10 points to a better life there's only one point his name is jesus not a, this is not even a secret. Let me tell you. <laughs> he is the only way. There isn't another way. There isn't another, uh, another plan. Only Jesus Christ can give you these three things. Three things make life worth living. A self fit to live with a faith fit to live by and a purpose fit to live for only Jesus can help you with all three of those things Jesus says I came to give you life and life in abundance in John 10, 10. Jesus is the source of eternal life The next thing that Jesus came to do, he came to bring light into darkness. Okay. He came to bring life into death, but he also bring light into darkness. Now, a person who does not know Jesus is more than just spiritually dead. He's also spiritually darkened. Jesus came to change all that. He says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of Life. That's in John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus came to deliver the lost from their darkness and to bring them into his glorious light like I just explained to you. In other words, he says this in Ephesians 5 8. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Jesus has called you to be light. Jesus has called you to shine bright for him. Acts chapter 26, verse 18 says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan into God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Colossians 1:13 says Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. There we see that verse. Colossians 1.13. Jesus came into this world to bring light into our spiritual darkness. That's why. That's the who and the why of Christmas. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, what's sad, though, is that the world stumbles blindly in the dark, seeking light in all the wrong places. The world stumbles around. You know, one of the saddest things for me is most probably the biggest indictment on the church ever is that moment when Jesus rides in on the cult and they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, and, and they praise him. Two, three days later, they crucify him. This is the world that we live in. They want, they want to be free, but they also don't want to be free. They want answers, but they don't want our answers. They don't want the words answers. They want, they want self-help type answers. They don't want the, the Bible. They don't want the Bible's answers of give up everything, die to live. That's not the answers that the world is seeking. And they stumble around blindly. What's sad for me is to see that Jesus is standing with Pharisees and he's preaching and he's saying, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they still can't see it. Their eyes are blinded to the truth. We need to pray, Lord, open their eyes. That is just what the lost world does with the light. They reject it when it comes to their way. John 3:19 says and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. <sighs> See it's getting worse. The lost world is actively trying right now to quench the light to prevent it from shining anywhere. But I have to tell you that light will never be quenched. The light of Jesus will never be quenched. There is a light that is in you. A day that you are, the day that you are born again, saved and set free. Turn with me into Luke, and we're almost done. Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, verse 33 to 36 says this. No one, after lightening a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Be careful of what you watch. Be careful. Be careful. So now that you know the who, and the why of Christmas, I would like to ask you a question. What are you going to do about that? What then is the real purpose of this day on our calendar? When the world actually received the biggest gift of all time. I want to tell you a story. I was, a few years back, I was standing in, in uh, Rio de Janeiro. And there's a statue on a mountain there called Christ the Redeemer. Who's who's heard of that? Who's seen pictures of that? That thing is massive. The base that it stands on is 12 meters high, just the base. The head weighs three tons. It's a massive, massive thing. And I'm standing on this mountain with this Christ the Redeemer standing in front of me over the whole city of Rio. And I'm just having this moment with Jesus. And I'm crying and I'm like, Lord, they are so blind. And right next to me is a couple. Now, I can't judge them if they're married or not married. I don't know. But they're literally pulling into one another next to me. They are fraying a duck. But like, you know, like fraying and selfie time, you know, with Jesus in the background. And there's this expletive on her T-shirt. And I'm like, Lord, they cannot see. And I know this is just a statue. I know this is just a, but there's these holes in the hand and everything. And I'm having this moment with Jesus and I'm like crying and I'm like, Lord, what is happening here? And these people are just, they lost. Taking selfies with Jesus. I promise you, that is the world that we live in. That is the darkness that is in them. And we need to be the light. You see, most most folks are so messed up when it comes to what they think Christmas is all about. Their primary concern is in giving the perfect gift. You know, only God can do that. Only God could give the perfect gift. And that is just what he did when he sent Jesus into this world. He gave us His only Son, the greatest gift. He gave Jesus to be life for our dead souls and light to our darkened hearts. He gave this all when He gave us His Son. The Bible says, while we were sinners, Jesus did that. So by concluding, I want to ask you this or say this. Maybe just close your eyes quickly. Maybe reflect on these, on these statements quickly. Be sure that you are saved. That you know him. That you have passed from death unto life. I wouldn't want you to leave this place tonight if you can't say, Stefan, I am sure that I am saved. I am sure that I know him. Not just know about him. But know Him that you have passed from death unto life. The second thing I would like to ask you is this be sure this day, that this day, Christmas, is about Him and not about anything else. Be sure that it's about Him. Be sure to give Him the glory. He is due every single day. Be sure. And the fourth thing is be sure to let your light shine bright for Jesus.